Okay, so now you go to the mountain. I call it going to the mountain. You go wherever you need to, but get alone with God. Go get someplace alone with God. And I get asked a lot of times, well, what about my helpmate? You know, well, that's your call. <laughs> I'm not getting in the middle of that. No, that's your call. But many pastors say, no, I need to be alone. I feel I need to be alone. Many pastors said, said to me, I feel responsibility for my wife when we're together. Not that she has to be babied, but I just feel when she's with me, I feel a responsibility. And I, I, I like to be alone. And here's a suggestion. When you go to the, another way to be alone. When, before you leave for the mountain or the beach or wherever you're going to go, the deep woods, whatever it is, but someplace where you can be alone for at least two days once a year and hopefully three you say, there's no way. If I leave for three days, the whole thing will just self-destruct. And the pastors have told me that. I said, let it go. Because it ain't going to make it if you don't go. So go. And then they call me and they say, you were, man, that, this was unbelievable. God's, God, you, let me, can I, you got a couple hours so I can tell you what God said. I said, well, tell your wife first and then call me back if you got any energy left. But I said, before you leave for the mountain, take your cell phone, put it under the left rear wheel of the car when, before you back out and crunch it, okay? Just crunch that sucker. And then on the way home, swing by Best Buy and make an investment in another one. It'll be worth it. Get rid of that. Get that thing surgically removed from your ear for at least three days. No interruptions. Because, look, it takes you one day to calm down. You go to the mountain, you can't concentrate on God. You're so filled. I mean, if you're functioning dysfunctionally, it takes you a day to calm down. He can't, he couldn't, you couldn't hear him if he hit you with a two-by-four. So you've got to calm down so you can hear his still, small voice and get rid of that thing and anything else. You take nothing with you. Just you and God and his word. So, but what you take in your backpack, you, you, need, you do need to take some things with you in your backpack. I call it the mountain backpack. So we're going to go to the mountain. We're going to take our backpack with us. What are we going to put in the backpack? These things, the mission statement. You say, what? He's going to change the mission? You know, I don't know that I want to go to the mountain and hear about that. I thought we were hard enough getting this one done. Mission statement. No, he's not going to change it. He's not going to change his mind. He's going to re-etch it into your spirit. He's going he's to show you the mission. You're going to lay it at his feet. Take it with you. Lay it at his feet and say, how are we doing? Judge me rightly so I can judge me right. So lay it at his feet and you read it before him. You read it to him and he'll speak to you. He'll say, there, look where it says there, disciples of men. Huh? Um, it says... We're on, on the building and in the mission statement. It says, we're a word church. And he'll say, not in the youth department. You know, we used to have a word. We used to do the word with those six captive kids. And they never invited anybody because nobody could stand it. It was brutal in there. So we said, let's, let's make it a little bit more enticing for them to invite other young people from the community to come. So we said, let's make it at least fun 
But then it swung all the way from the word over to nothing but foosball. And so if that happens, for example, I'm just making this up, okay, but he's going to say, what happened to the word? Are you teaching even the youngsters the word? Are they getting scriptures? Are they getting reinforced? with? That's what he's going to be talking to you about. If you lay this at his feet and you show him the vision statement, he'll speak to you about it. So lay it out there for him. Take it in the backpack. He's not going to change it. He's going to perfect it and teach you about it. Secondly, rhema words. Those words that you got highlighted in here. They were God speaking directly to you. I've got them. And they're going to mean something every year. They meant something day one, you know, when I got saved. I mean, the first one that jumped out at me, I said, wow, this thing, this is, this is interesting. This looks like it pertains to my life. Yeah, go ahead and laugh if you want. But, you know, yeah, that was revelation to me. Wow, this thing is like a owner's manual. Wow, I got excited when I came to that brilliant revelation. I wasn't taught. Nobody told me. So you have those, you know, rhema words that are outlined in here, those words that, that meant something to you day one. The same word, though, a year later with Christ meant the same thing as day one, but now it means something more because of experience. You've walked it out. You know much more about it. It's much deeper in here. And now, 20, 30 years later, God will still speak to you about it, and he'll reinforce it, and it's a good thing to pull those out. Let him talk to you about it. If they were important once, they're going to be important again. Let him speak to you. Those are hallmark scriptures in your life. Prophecies. Prophecies. The ones that you have hidden somewhere in your sock drawer or up in the attic with the box with the cross on them. (laughs) I did it. That's why I can say that. I don't mean to be demeaning, but I had people prophesied that I would do this. Now, it wasn't, they didn't say, you're going to be in Agape Faith Fellowship or church, and you're going to be with the partners, and you're going to, no. No, we, it wasn't that, but it, it was this. And, but it didn't mean anything to me at that time. It was 30 years ago, 25. And, but it, there were prophecies. And I, 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 I said, where are those things? I wrote them down. Some of them are tucked in a, another Bible. Some of them are in my sock drawer. That's why I used that illustration. I had them in the back of the socks there. You know, that's where I was going. I don't even, couldn't even find them. And then I had other boxes and books and, you know, personal. and Get them together and put them in your backpack and take them. Because if God spoke to you once, he's going to clarify what he said. He People have come through your ministry. They've prophesied over you. They prophesied over your family. They prophesied over your church. And that's God speaking to you. And he's going to want to speak to you about it again. He's going to continue to clarify. So we can't be callous about that. Memorials. Memorials. Abram. We all left Ur, right? We all left A-Ur. All of us. We all left on a journey with God. We left something behind, and we headed out on our journey with God. And just like Abram, became Abraham, but he had memorials. He built memorials along the way. Why is that important? What does that mean? He built, he built memorials to God's work. Like, what do you mean? Well, like, remember when you were renting the storefront down there 
and you didn't have enough money to pay the rent and some guy walked in off the street and he said I don't I'm not I'm not a Christian and I don't even go to church but I feel like I'm supposed to give you this 500 bucks and it was what you needed to pay the rent we heard that last night remember it matched up date and time yeah those are memorials or how about the time when you needed the land next door to to have your master plan develop and you needed to you needed the land next door but the, it already had a for sale sign on oh my gosh we blew it for sale sign it's gone now we're landlocked here what are we going to do but then suddenly that contract fell through and you ended up getting it for less than it was in contract for God showed up big time it's a memorial you have to count the memorials why so that you can build your faith because God's gonna say okay now we're going here guys here's the next iteration and you're gonna say no way and then you can remember God made a way every single time but you got to count the memorials you have to count the times God showed up big time and did exactly what was needed in his season so we have to have and you have to be able to cast those to your people otherwise they're just a bunch of hirelings they don't understand the battles we fought they don't understand our culture they don't understand what we stand for they don't have faith when you come down off the mountain hey here's what we're gonna do what forget it no way so we got to build their faith key learnings starting with you what are the key learnings what is it God has to work overtime to get you to do I got God has to work overtime in certain areas of my life because I'm not good or I'm not consistent. And so I open myself up to him. God, what do I need to learn this year? What do I need improve on, improvement on? What did I not do very effectively this year that I need to build upon? Give me a report card. Tell me how I'm doing because it all starts with me. If I'm no good, they're not going to be any good. So Teach me, coach me, help me, refine me, and perfect me. Key learnings. And then there'll be key learnings for the whole organization. The things God said, yeah, you need to learn that, but you're getting it now, but you're not teaching it. And you're not making sure they're getting these learnings. So he'll talk to you about those kind of things. The history of the ministry. The history of the ministry kind of like the memorials but it's more detailed about the history of the ministry how did we get here what were all the iterations you start to see a pattern you start to see the steps and all the levels that God took us to it builds your faith it builds a pattern and it's things we have to tell people about what did what did God say in his word you have to tell future generations to the Israelites you got to tell them about me and what I've done so we got, you got to tell your people. So, they, so we build a culture here of who we are. What's our DNA? What are we here for? What do we do? Where have we come from? What are we about? Okay, and then three next three things. Like what I, last night, I shared the state of the ministry address. I mean, it was, it was not done for this purpose, but it, in, it includes the past, the present, and the future. So it's the state of the ministry address. So it's no different than the 
president every year stands in Congress and speaks to the nation and says, this is where we've been, here's where we are, and there's where we're going. Where we've been, the past, where we are today, and where we're headed. Now, it's important that you understand that. You have clarity about that. And it's also imperative because you're going to, in step eight here, when we get to it, you're going to give, uh, I'm sorry, seven. Step seven, you're going to give the state of the ministry address to the people. This will be the one time that you will address all the leadership at one time. And you'll talk about the past, here's where we are today, and you'll cast the vision and set the charge for where we're headed. But you've got to do this preparation with God and formulate this in your spirit and then to be able to communicate it. So the past year, God, how did we do? How did we do this year? Well, I gave you five things to do, and you got two and a half of them done. Or you got five done, but one wasn't very good. It didn't meet the needs of my people. It's pretty bogus. So we need to do that one over. You may have to do, not may, you will. He ain't going to give you anything new until you get done what, you did, what he told you to do last year. He may give you something new, but he wants that done too. So it compounds. So the past year, how do we do, Lord? And he'll tell you. And you stay there and listen. You stay and ask him questions, and he'll continue to tell you. He will speak to you, but you've got to be listening to his still small voice. Our current situation, where are we now? Where, where do we stand now, Lord? Because we're about to spring forward. Where do we, what, what's the current situation here? Where are we at? And it has to do with both results and behavior. Because he's going to speak to you about your achievement or, and, and where you're positioned and where you're not positioned to go further with him. He'll speak to you about that. And he'll speak to you about behavior. Yours and then theirs. And he'll point out deficiencies. He'll point out the weaknesses. And he will tell you, because you're going to establish priorities not just, these are happen to be five priorities for the R over there, the results. These are results. These are turn 15 into 30 or something that. That's a result, like the R on the left side of the box. But then he's going to give you priorities for behavior. He's going to say, this, these are the things that you must develop in your people this year. It's critical. They're, they're, it's, it's, th you have to have these things in your people this year. These are the, and you're going to need to, to communicate those to your people. This year, we're going to focus on these three or four or five priorities in your behaviors, collectively. Then, when we get to performance evaluation, performance targeting, performance stretching people, we'll talk about that in the advanced trainings. But you, then we're going to target individuals, too. But right here, I'm talking about collectively for the whole ministry. Where are we weak? What, what are we going to have to, what's the priority? How do we figure a priority? What is that again? What needs the greatest amount of change? So what needs, what behaviors need the greatest amount of change? That's what I'm talking about. And it's the things that are your greatest vulnerabilities, the things that are messing you up left and right, the things that are, that are causing major problems. 
and he'll highlight those or remind you of those or you dialogue about them with him. Okay, and then the future. Then he'll give you what you can envision. He'll give you direction. He'll speak to you. He'll give you mandates. He'll give you priorities. He'll talk to you about the next iteration of the business. He'll stretch you. He'll stretch you to new places. But he'll talk to you about the future. Now, if you haven't done this to a great degree in the past, then let's just start for one year and get a vision for one year. But there are pastors here that have been doing it for years now, and they're excited. They call me and tell me, hey, I got the five-year plan. Got the five-year plan. See, when you're moving slowly, you're trying to get yourself set up here, and you've you got other priorities, like get this stuff, the mechanics and the people. But so you, if you can just, you know, you're, it's, here's what it's like. You're, you're going to be out on this little road out here, Louisville Clemens Road, and you're going to have to obey the speed limit here, and you're going much slower. So when you get out there, you're, you don't have to have as much distance between you and the car in front of you. Well, you get out on I-40, and you're going to have to have more distance between the car in front of you. So it's the same thing in ministry. When you accelerate, when you build up momentum, when you get the things that are under the tachometer here going, efficiency, acceleration, and torque, then you're going to have to plan further out. You can't just do, you know, God says, start an educational entity. I want you to start a Bible college. Well, you don't start that in a few weeks. It may take a year or more to get accreditation. It may take a year or more to recruit. And he may say, media, well, we've got to raise the money for the cameras. We've got to, okay, so it takes longer. So you've got to think further out the further you go. Finances. Let God speak to you about that. He'll certainly speak to you about how you're wasting his provision here, but he'll speak to you in other ways too. Finances. Now, why is that so important that we determine that right now? Well, you're about to come down off of the mountain and give the people the charge, and you're going to be telling them, hey, we're going to, hey, blue sky, man, we're going the distance. We're going to power it out. We're coming up with stuff, man, that's going to, and you got no money to approve anything? And you, you're just demoralized the whole ship. We're going to, boy, so it's going to be great. I want ideas coming out our ears, guys. And then here they come out of their ears. And you, no, we can't afford that. No, uh, forget that one. Uh, that'll be years before we go because, so let's get realistic here. You've got to determine your fiscal health. Where are you? What do you got? And we'll get to budgeting perhaps sometime we haven't done that in a long time we get to budgeting at some point and how you plan and how you do all of that and you want to surround your yourself with people that can give you that kind of wisdom don't, don't I, one pastor sitting here he's i remember him saying to me this it was so freeing when i surrounded myself with strength who who i, I had to make the call but it was so freeing when they when i just had people giving me their opinion I felt more confident in making the decision. That's what you're going to feel. You've got you to take this weight off of you. And as your ministry grows, the numbers increase and the responsibilities grow and the weight increases on you. So start as fast as you can to get wise counsel and to keep that weight. You make the, you're still making the call. Organization. 
we covered that. But if you're about to go plan, this is the time to have the organization fixed for a season. Why? Well, you don't want somebody to go get busy planning here for their department, and then when they develop the plans, transfer them to some other department. So they inherit somebody else's plans, and somebody else inherits their plans. That's not wisdom. That's not real motivating. So we've got, this is a time when we want to etch the organization. It, yeah, look, in a growing organization, the organization changes all the time. We, we just covered that. It's going to change all the time. We're moving people around. We're, mobile, we're utilizing them, mobilizing them. Well, we're not changing for change's sake. But, you know, and your people are going to say, gee, it seems like we're changing. Yeah, well, that's because we're growing. Deal with it. So, we're, but we're gonna, there's going to be change. And the, and the organization will change. But this is not the time to change it when people are planning something. Because you want them to take it and run with it. They're going to be excited because they, they built it. And they're going to be more motivated to make it happen. So that's not a time. There may be the time you have to for some reasons. But that should be the exception, not the rule. And then priorities. Priorities. For what? Well, there's four. One is the ministry priorities overall. You'll come down off the mountain, and God will clearly have communicated to you what the top three are, four are, five are. You have to come down off the mountain with those. And they need to be, he's going to tell you a lot of things, but with him, you have to determine the priorities. Where do we write that? Priorities here. Uh, well, the umbrella, here, these, these priorities. He, you want to come down off the mountain with those. With one caveat, we'll get that to in step three. Because you're going to get input from your wisest counsel. It's not they're going to say, well, you, you know, they're going to question whether you know how to hear from God. But they may have a perspective. They may see something that, that you didn't see. And we may reorder s those priorities with God's approval just because they see something that you were blind to. But essentially, you're coming down from the mountain with the priorities for the ministry overall. Then you may have some priorities for some of the departments. You may have some of these five here or the five under the umbrella there. Those next tier of five, you may have some of those. God speaks to you about a few of those, but it'll be less and less over time as you get into your position as a leader. So they're going to determine the priorities. You're going to approve them. And they're going to develop the plan. You're going to give them the overarching direction for the ministry, but you're not going to design everybody's department. Stop it. They're going to design it based on the quality direction. So when you envision what it is God wants and you can project it on your mental screen, you'll be able to elicit or, or convey it clearly to them. Because so, you can describe it. And you can describe it because you can see it. You've got to project it on your mental screen. You can envision it and you can see it. So you can clearly describe it. The illustration with my boss at the Limited and the movie theater. That, I mean, that, that's, a, that's as good as it gets. That's as easy as it gets. You see that? Put it over there. But that's exactly what you're trying to come as close to here. Do you see what I'm telling you? That's what we're going to ma make it happen.
Make it happen. So ministry priorities, departmental priorities or divisional priorities, depending on the size of your ministry, and then the personnel, EL, personnel priorities, which are these. So that's what I said. You heard that from God. Now you've got to convey that. You've got to crystallize that. You've got to know what those priorities are. And then finally, something I've mentioned earlier, but let's reiterate it, your personal, AL, mandates. You have priorities too. And you know what they are. God speaks to you about those, and he'll speak to you clearly there. And you not only have priorities for the whole ministry, the corporate priorities, but you've got personal priorities, and we talked about that. Are you supposed to write a book? Are you supposed to be in media? Are you supposed to be on the mission field more? Are you supposed to? Are you supposed to? And what's the plan to make that happen? You've got to have a plan for that too or it isn't going to happen. And it isn't certainly going to happen if you're doing everybody else's work. But when you become the leader that God ordained you to be, then you're going to be able to accomplish the corporate priorities and you're going to be able to accomplish your personal priorities. And the testimonies that you heard up here we're about that and there's freedom and there's accomplishment so that's about going to the mountain and what to take before God to put in your mountain backpack and that those are some steps that I know will change your life and change the value of your experience with him and pastors have told me over and over again man that was one of the best things I, I didn't used to do and you don't do it once a year uh, I said that but you've got to do it at least once a quarter. And some do it once a month. I know you pray every day. And you, 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 know, you have your devotional time and everything. But that's, that's kind of like the meetings here. You know, it's a, it's a prescribed period of time. And you're, but this is a drill down time with God. Drill down with God deeper. And so I encourage you to do it as frequently as you can. If you, you know, get two or three days max I mean minimum and you then quarterly if you can for two or three days but surely for a day or two the strategic planning advance what is that that's the most important meeting of the year and the most important address that you the CEO give other than what you bring from here with this Word of God <laughs>